So it seems like the Atlanta Braves may have broken the Georgia curse. The game that nobody thought Georgia could win, they won in pretty epic fashion towards the end. I mean, it was a really close game, really fucking boring first half, but really actually fun and exciting second half. Um, crazy plays. And in the end, you know, the Alabama just made the mistakes that Georgia didn't. But that game was exciting on so many different levels. Uh, and for me personally, I mean, Georgia hasn't won since I think 1982? 1980. Yeah, 1980. So I, I, I think I, I calculated. So it was 1980 was their last championship. And I think previous to that was like 1942. So they're winning their championships in like 40-year intervals. <laughs> And this is a team that has been so fucking close so many times, dude. I mean, we're and so many great players. Think about how many great talents have come through Georgia. Matthew Stafford, Matthew you know, St- Sean Moreno, yeah. like uh, Heinz yeah. Ward went there. Uh, just Terrell really, Davis. Yep, great, unbelievable talents have passed through there, and they've been in the spotlight, had this chance, especially in recent years, so many times. But it just seemed like there was some fucking curse with the Atlanta area and I know Athens isn't technically in Atlanta but you know the rate close of the vicinity enough. close yes. enough do you, guys, do you guys feel like Stetson Bennett kind of got like the shorthand of like all of that like he finally led Georgia to the promised land and all we're getting is like the clips of him being a fucking ugly ass crier like he looked like he didn't belong on a football field with some of like the tears and I understand it but like he just ugh. well he's got some Rodrigo blanket ship in his jeans or something like that he it does not look like an athlete at all he's hilarious but I mean if you didn't know he's a former walk-on like they didn't mention that a hundred times um so yeah i mean his, his story is pretty interesting going from walk-on to you know transferring away coming back and all that stuff so he can play and getting a chance to actually start and leading the team there there was people clamoring for jt daniels to be inserted uh during the sec championship game when he threw three interceptions that wound up costing them the game there so i mean a redemption story he definitely I mean, the only turnover that Georgia had was that insane play where it looked like he was, like, trying to get rid of the ball. They wind up ruling it a fumble, and the Alabama player lackadaisically, like, grabs it right with his foot, barely, barely. in, barely. Ac- accidentally yeah. gets the turnover, and you're like, oh, shit, this game's over. This Right then, you're like, oh, Bama's about to fucking roll them. Yeah. So, like, good good for Georgia, like, like battling all that. Yeah. Uh, I actually love I love when you have a bit of a defensive struggle in different games because like obviously we're just getting so many like high scoring games and like still one of my f- more interesting Super Bowls to watch was New England Rams like I I kind of love the chess match I love like the other pieces other than like fuck well we can't stop them so hopefully we can block an extra point or let's get a two point conversion like I like a defensive struggle. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I don't, man. I, I like the game much more in the second half. It, it, start, it started to really start to get entertaining in the second half. But, I mean, Georgia just ran down their throats. That fucking defense is so, so good. But but the thing is, even with the defensive struggle aspect and, and more offensive plays being made, I just, like, I really enjoyed all the athleticism all over the field, right? Like, when you've got uh, the linebackers from uh, Georgia running down Bryce Young, like, they made, probably, they, they made him look unathletic. Pro- probably going to be the number one draft pick in the NFL draft next year, right? I mean, or at least top five. Um, the Heisman, reigning Heisman, Heisman winner, you know what I mean? Like, supposedly the best player in all of college football. And they're just running him down when he's trying to escape the pocket. Like, it really, you can really see the athleticism that they have on that defense. Um, and I thought that that was impressive. Obviously, there were some injuries that played a factor in this game uh, that Alabama, you know, shifted the tide a little bit, if you will. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
You know, for me, obviously I have my bias getting to kind of like watch a and break down tape, but for me it was so cool. Like to like watch my cousin breaking down film with Jimbo and like a bunch of the other guys. And the end, uh, what college has done, and they've been so innovative with that as far as like going back to national championships. Like they're the first ones to start bringing out all the multiple different broadcasts. I don't know how much you guys watched like of that part on ESPN too, but it's kind of cool to see – um, I didn't even know about it till after the game was over. Oh, yeah. So that, that's what I was sending you guys. So, like, all of Texas A&M's coaching staff, they were sitting down there breaking down the game, like, film, like, rewinding the film, do breaking down every single play like you're in the film room with them. So that was, you know, outside of my own personal bias. It was a cool experience. But, you know, college, college national championship keeps doing innovative ways to, like, watch 18 different versions of the game, which is cool. Uh, but it, it was it was a unique perspective. I thought I thought it was it was very fun, kind of cool to like listen to what the those guys obviously do this for a living. Listen to what they're seeing, like what, watching what they're doing. It was, it was a cool experience. Moment of the game for me, and it's honestly might be the moment of the century. Might be the best thing that's happened to sports in the past hundred years. They debuted a a Katy Perry music video, <laughs> which. It wasn't weirdly placed. It wasn't awkward. It didn't come off as like desperate because of COVID and they couldn't have an actual halftime show. Like everybody that was watching that game was like, oh, oh, snap. Fucking Katy Perry's going to be debuting a music video and we get to see Georgia win the national championship tonight. Like that game truly had it all. I I, 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 I actually heard something. So I guess Katy Perry had, had she did like the pregame performance when Deshaun Watson beat Alabama. So they're calling Katy Perry like the um Drake, the, the the Drake of Alabama. <laughs> well, well, she did college game day when Ole Miss beat uh, Alabama also. Like, yeah. And then she went out and partied in Oxford, and there was, like, video of her, mm. like, on the bar chugging handles of liquor. I, I wish I was at that game. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck was that music video, though? I mean, that, that, that was so weird. Just don't do a halftime performance. Nope. Nobody cared about that whatsoever. So bizarre. So bizarre. But yeah, it changed my life. I want to made me want to be a better man in that music video. <sighs> um, I mean, one probably coming like like remaining thing that came out of that game uh, in terms of, you know, uh, outside of Georgia winning it there is uh, Jamison Williams suffering the ACL injury, which Jimbo, you know, clamored. He ACL'd it. He ACL'd it. Because uh, that's a technical term there, Jimbo. Um, but yeah, Jamison Williams tears his ACL. He was projected to be the top wide receiver in the in the draft this coming year, potentially top ten pick. Do you think that that impacts his standing? A thousand percent. Got to. Yeah. yeah, you 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 were telling me that it wasn't going to impact the standings. I was like, I couldn't believe what you were saying. Of course, it's going to impact the standings one hundred percent. I mean, if it, 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 things can happen during you know the combine, whatever, he'll he'll probably be back like mid season or whatever, but. Some guys, 90%, 98% of athletes these days recover from ACL injuries, but there's always that small percentage that doesn't. There, there is, but there's also the time. Like, yeah. do you, so, you, so, you want to so draft someone in the first round at the, the at the receiver position that you're already not going to get one year out of? Yeah, for well, sure. Well, so here's the thing. It, the way it would happen is he's probably going to have the surgery by the end of January. Six-month timetable is normally for clearance in order to actually be able to play in a football game again. Um, even if they're loose on that projection, you know, by the time September rolls around, he'll be good to go. Uh, so he probably wouldn't miss the season next year. He would be there for almost all of it, um, barring any setbacks. Now, obviously, you're going to have some issues with hamstrings and other soft, t- soft uh, tissue muscle and all that other stuff surrounding the knee. 
But the biggest thing for him is going to be, once he has the surgery, making sure that he hits all the checkpoints leading up to the NFL draft, right? Because they're going to be able to do extended medicals on him, um, both at the combine and... He, he, he won't even have clearance by then. If you're talking six months, the draft's going to be well, well done. No, but I'm saying that they do a checkup like two weeks before the draft, like late checkup on guys. He will be well into his progression of rehab at that point, and a team will have the ability to see, you know, where are we here? How's he been pro- progressing from the, from the point of the surgery to now and the combine? And then what, what are we projecting for forward? Are doctors going to get a look at him? I don't think it impacts his draft stock a ton. I still think he winds up going top 15. It might cost him, you know, a few spots, which is millions of dollars. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But, I mean... Ultimately, I still think he winds up as the top uh, wide receiver off the board. Well, it's it's a thin class. It's I mean, we're looking at it. it's kind of a thin class like all around. Even like every single quarterback sucks. Like we have two D, DN prospects that are still kind of tweeners as a whole. It's not that thin in the trenches, baby. Yeah, and that's it for like, like skill spots. Like who like who's really excited about the skill players or you know the quarterbacks that are coming out. Yep. And, no one. Every spot you see, every spot he drops is too many spots. <clears throat> You're going to see this in coming years, especially now that NIL is out there. Uh, it's it's coming, folks. You are going to see your first opt out of a massive player in the national championship or the playoff. It it will it will happen, and I'll bet it happens in the next couple years. You're going to see a star running back, star wide receiver, star quarterback that opts out because once they see the projections, it's going to happen. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Are you saying that they're going to be completely healthy going into the game and choosing to opt out? Or are you saying they're nicked and they're like, well, I'm not going to risk it? I think both could present itself. (laughs) They they, they could have some sort of injury, maybe like a... You know, something that can be re-aggravated, um, that they don't want to have jeopardize their draft stock. I think it's going to end up being a quarterback, and it's going to be devastating. Did you see that uh, Jimbo actually just came out as well, and he's like, NIL's been here forever. Like, it's just all been under the table. Like, same similar processes. It's just a little more well-known now. Well, now they're just doing it without any money laundering ramifications. Well, well yeah, you know, that's, pre- that's pretty much what he's saying. He's like, yeah, it, it, it level, levels the playing field yeah. because, like, you have all these other – you know, they're big time programs that have more money, more influence. So they they're able like he ever we, we've all known it. We we all know all the way back to like Anquan Bolden working at car dealerships he never worked at, you know. Like he, all every single one of those stories, like they make money if you're the elite of the elite. But um um I don't think you're off, but the, the, we're already starting to see it. Like we're seeing in all the mid mid tier bowl games. But yeah, I think I think you're right. It could definitely flirt into the especially like a team that like we'll use Alabama for for instance, just for because they keep winning, they're always in it. But yeah, maybe a guy has already won two titles. Well, fuck it. Why do I want to take another chance? I've already my legacy cemented. Or just get just just the the risk of getting injured at all. I mean, like that. It, listen, you're you're in college. You're playing a sport. Like you're probably happy about being given the chance. But in the end, your career you're going to be making millions of dollars. Like your career is ahead of you. If you're already the top guy projected. I'm just telling you, it, it, it's going to happen in our lifetime. You, you have to imagine Jamison Williams does have an insurance policy out on him for a few million, for sure. For sure. But but in the grand scheme, it's a lot to us. Give me a couple million, cool. The, but like in the grand scheme, that's that's still they're the going to thing miss about out. the thing about a lot of those insurance policies is that they don't pay out unless you are no longer able to play ever. Um, there are some, but it it it's really just. So it's a loss of value, right? So typically they don't pay out like if he loses, you know, five million dollars, they pay out like ten grand per million. So that's like an extra fifty k, which is not significant compared to yeah. the five million dollars yeah. yeah. that he lost. <clears throat> right. 
A couple other things from the game. Uh, James Cook looks re- looks ridiculously fast. Uh, if that guy can stay out of trouble, not he, as fast as Dalvin. No, not as fast as Dalvin, but he he he's got blazing speed. Uh, Georgia between Georgia and Alabama, there's so many pros on these teams. Oh yeah, is is it, is it kind of um, weird that when I was watching him break that like scamper down the sideline, I'm like, damn, Matt Madison looks more like Dalvin than he does. <laughs> Dude, jo- James, I mean James Cook, he doesn't really have the hair. Face wise, holy shit, they yeah. look identical. Yeah, it's but, wild. So, so, um, but I think just going to some other players there, m- one of my favorite things that happened during that game or after that game is Nicobe Dean, who's probably, you know, top 15, top, top 10 pick at linebacker, absolute stud. Uh, after the game, walking around with an Alabama national championship at, did you see all those pictures? Uh-uh. Yeah. So he's just like, he's got like an out, like a, instead of a, a Georgia national championship, he's wearing an Alabama national championship. Oh, hat. wow. And, I mean, I don't know that it's been confirmed. I honestly think that he did it, like, intentionally to, like, fuck with Alabama. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and all of Alabama's fans. But some people, like, there was shit all over Twitter about it. It was, I, it, I thought it was entertaining. All right, yeah, so college football's over. It's good for college football that Georgia won. Nobody wanted to see an Alabama championship. It was it was Tuscaloosa and then everybody else. Nobody, nobody outside of Alabama fans were, were rooting for Alabama. It's fucking... Just enough's enough. <laughs> Tired of that team. I hope that the transfer portal destroys them eventually and, and NIL impacts them. It won't. I mean, I mean they're going to be the best team again next year, but Alabama had five guys enter the portal the next day after the game. So, Good. I mean, they will lose some guys, and you're going to expect to see that. Uh, what we what we said before the season, once and once you know the transfer portal opened, um, I know Dubich was pushing back. It's going. He's saying, "Oh, it's going to you know the rich is going to get richer in these." Everyone else is going to get richer, too, because when Alabama now is losing guys that aren't getting playing time, they're going to go somewhere else where they seven, can get some playing seven time. Seven in the portal. Currently, yeah. Wow. But I mean, like, five did it immediately. No, no. Seven, seven went a day after. Two from Georgia, seven from Alabama. Okay, from the national championship. But, but, yeah. But, yeah, fuck, that's a fucking ton. Yeah. That, yep, that, that's good. I'm telling you that, that that could potentially be the equalizer in college fo- football that they need so much because look at these playoff games – you know, like eight, nine-point favorites in the semis. It's just it, something needs to change. Out, uh, college football needs to get more competitive. It needs to get back to where it was in, like, the early 2000s, the 90s, uh, where teams were kind of switching off and there weren't these fucking epic powerhouses that were just <laughs> accumulating so much talent that they couldn't possibly be dethroned like Alabama. It's time for cha- a change. I mean, I, I, the fact that I've lost interest in college football, it used to be my favorite sport just not even 12 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I think that with, you know, uh, USC taking over with um, Lincoln Riley heading out there, I think that actually has a chance to maybe balance it, balance out, a it out a little bit, yeah. put some talent out in the West instead of, you know, California losing as many of the players as they were losing. Maybe he can keep more of those guys home, make, a, you know, kind of a Western power to match some of the Eastern powers that we have going on, and that may division, like, even it out a little bit. Also, you've got the influx of coaching, you know, importance here in Florida with, you know, bringing in Mario Cristobal from, from Oregon, who's, if, if, if nothing, a good recruiter, right, uh, from the from the Saban tree. You've got Billy Napier, also from the Saban, and Dabo Trees, also a good recruiter. Mike Norvell's, you know, been doing a good job recruiting in terms of the transfer portal and stuff like that. So Florida Florida schools keeping Florida talent in state is going to play a big part because if you look at Alabama and Georgia's rosters, they got a lot of Florida boys on them. 
Yeah, so. and we, we need powers like Oregon to resurface. We definitely need USC to resurface to, to, to balance it out. We need Texas to come back. Big time. We, we, need, we need the U to come back. We need FSU and Florida to return to their former former dominance. Because if, if when FSU is good, they're stealing a lot of recruits from Alabama because that's very much in their recruiting pipeline is, is right in that region. And so is Florida. Florida is also obviously stealing a lot of talent. So we need all these, these, these powers to resurface. Uh, honestly, if, if you look at it, it's, it's really the fall of these of these superpowers like FSU, Florida, the U that have led to this influx of recruiting from Al- to Alabama and Clemson. But you can already see, I think I think Clemson's already at the end of their rope. I think they're already going to start to fall off. Uh, Dabo Sweeney doesn't seem to want to adapt to the things that are happening with the train. I mean, he's literally just coming out and talking shit about the things that he could be instantly trying to capitalize on like NIL and, and the transfer portal. And, and like, uh, like I said, heard on a podcast the other day, it's, and it's true. Some coaches are basically making statements that are pretty much saying like, I don't want to do extra work because <laughs> now I got to recruit and I got to work the transfer por- portal and I got to get some boosters to pay these kids. And, and I got to make sure that the kids I already recruited, I continue to recruit them, you know, so that they're not just immediately turning around and entering the transfer portal. Yeah, it is more work, and that's why they get paid probably Tons more money, probably more than anyone else in the sport. Right? It's the wild, wild west, baby. Yep, yep. So on to the NFL, uh, and today we're, we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. Going to be talking about the openings uh, around the NFL, uh, what what coaches are out there. Uh, going to be talking about some of the coaches that might be making their rounds again that were kind of, uh, I guess, exiled from the NFL that could be making a return next year. Uh, we're also going to be talking, of course, about the playoffs, previewing all the games. And that's pretty much the rest of our show is is the NFL. So the thing that I've seen this week, we talked a lot about Flores in our last podcast. Uh, some really bad stories are coming out about uh, Flores. And I'm wondering what the sources are on these. Uh, the Miami Herald published an article. And if you didn't read the article, it, it's basically a tale of a arrogant, toxic coach that didn't want to answer to anybody that was con- p- consistently reaching and reaching to get more and more power out of the Miami organization. Um, and it doesn't sound good on the surface. I'm not, I'm not buying it. Yep. I, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> Miami has a history of doing this kind of stuff, especially, you know, Jeff Ireland down there with all the, all, anytime their coaches have, like, it seems like every time they fire a coach, there's oh, all these stories leaking out. You know what I mean? Like they feed a lot of stuff to the press, um, the press down there. I don't know. They're for some reason why they, why they do, why they just take this low hanging fruit and stuff, but I'm just not buying it. Uh, I know, I listened to the Chris Long podcast. He worked with Brian Flores. He loves the guy. He raves about all of his, you know, how he is with players and all that kind of stuff. Players all love him. Uh, you, you find I, you'll be hard pressed to find a lot of players that aren't a big fan of his. So the fact, and I mean, if you look at that organization, their GM has done a terrible job. So if I'm Brian Flores, hell yeah, I want more power and I want more control. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, the, it was the quarterback kind of struggle thing that w- w- the power struggle. Like, however, there, there's different versions, but like when it comes down to it, like when Joe Judge goes down, like when uh, some of these other coaches go down, you see players might tweet things that are indicative of why they're gone. Miami players are saying like, "Fuck." Yeah, I mean, "Fuck, this is bullshit." Well, and and going back to the quarterback thing, if we take it back, you know, rewind it one year. Uh, the Miami Dolphins are in the thick of the playoff hunt with a guy by the name of Ryan Fitzpatrick playing quarterback. They moved to Tua, not necessarily needing to, 
And, you know, it winds up ultimately costing him a job, a spot in the playoffs. I think that there's probably a good, a good chance that Ryan Fitzpatrick wins one or two more games there down the stretch. And that, that team's in the playoffs. But I don't know whose call it was to put Tua in. I'm leaning it probably wasn't Brian Flores. It's probably the GM. And, and now you're kind of in the spot where, like, you know, you passed on some talent and you have Tua. So, like, Tua succeeding is his job's future. Cause, right. and, and we've all talked about, it, like, when you look back at it, they had a golden opportunity after that Larry, Larry Tunzel trade. And they're, they're slightly squandering it a little bit. Not, you know, a little bit. Not as bad as some other teams. But they're still make, making some misses. So, Tua succeeding is the GM's job. It's just that simple. He's terrible, but you know we, I we, who's gonna fuck? I can't say anything bad about Brian Flores, man. I love that dude, and uh, someone's gonna be super lucky to have him. Who uh, to me it just reads as is they make a decision, maybe a snap decision, and then thirty two out of thirty two fan bases said, "Holy shit, how fucking dumb are the Dolphins?" And now they're trying to save face through the press. Definitely. It's, it seems like a lot of backpedaling. 100% agree. I mean, they, they, what, what organization, what, what Twitter personality didn't come out and just hammer the dolphins this week. Uh, this seems like someone put out some information to try and, to try and backpedal. And, but also everything that I read. All right. Name a successful coach in the NFL. that's not an arrogant douchebag. I can only think of two names, honestly, two names out of, out of the biggest success stories in the NFL, Andy Reid. And Mike Tomlin, Tony Dungy. The, I'm talking about in the current current, oh, current NFL. NFL. I'm just arrogant douchebags. Yeah. Sean Payton, uh, Bruce Arians, totally an, an arrogant douchebag. Um, some other guys. I mean, Gruden when he was in. I mean, he was a fucking arrogant douchebag. Obviously, uh, name a coach that's not an arrogant douchebag. It's not even a negative for me. And he comes from the Billichek tree, so he. He doesn't want to answer to people. That that that's what I'm hearing. He's he's a guy who maybe wants more control over personnel decisions. Maybe because his GM is drafting guys like Tua over Herbert when he reportedly may or may not have wanted Herbert. And so when guys are making those decisions, yeah, you're going to push back and say I want more control because you don't like the picks that are being made. Yeah, he's like, look what I'm fucking doing. Don't force my hand. I'm not. You know, maybe like that first year. You know, you're still kind of making momentum, and then people think like last year is kind of a fluke. But I, I'm huge on Flores and the Dolphins going into this year. And again, another productive year, way better than most people were, were even considering was a possibility. So yeah, hey, I'm, I've proven where I'm at. You're not forcing my, my shit anymore. And, and uh, they and, they won more games in the last two years than they had since 2013 or 2003 on any two year period. I mean, they were successful. They they were definitely trending in the right direction. And then the owner comes out and says, you know, we're not going to be the team that hires a guy like like Harbaugh. And, I mean, but you're the team that's going to fire the guy who instantly becomes the best head coach available? Yeah. Like, you, right now, if you're you're the Dolphins hiring, you hope you can hire a guy, I don't know, like Brian Flores. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully they can go out there and find a special, you know, one-of-a-kind talent. Like Brian Flores, exactly. Exactly. That's the best they could hope for in, the, in this talent pool. And what fucking coach is going to want to go to this shit show after this? You get fired for winning eight games in a row. What? No. No organization out there is going to fire a team, a, a, a coach for winning half their games all in one span, recovering from an insurmountable, you know, deficit in the, in the NFL. Nobody thought they were even going to have a chance, and they beat the Patriots twice. It's it's baffling to me. Brian Flores, he's he's gonna go somewhere and he's he's gonna shine. The, the guy has the chops, and he to me, out of all of Bill Belichick's proteges, he's the most like Belichick. 
And this guy, he's he's instantly going to make your defense formidable. He's he's a stud. Whoever gets him, please don't be Bears. And, and, and I'll, please don't be Bears. And and, don't I, be bears. and also remember, like uh, you know, and we touched on this earlier on Monday. Like Miami brings in fucking Calvin away, and we're all like, "You're stupid as shit." And they st- they're still making it work. Like it's just bad GM move after GM move. Right. And Flores just keeps keeps making it work. So the names that are being tossed around for a lot of these interviews, you know, teams are now reaching out, requesting interviews. Uh, guys like, um, you know, the guys that aren't in the playoff hunt anymore are already interviewing. Uh, Peterson apparently interviewed with the, with Chicago just today. Uh, but out of these three guys, which of these guys do you think deserves a second chance the most? Dan Quinn, Bill O'Brien, or, or Doug Peterson? <laughs> I mean, so... Good question. <laughs> I mean, nope. I, I'm going to take Peterson because one, he actually yeah. has gotten to the mountaintop, right? Um, and then if you look at it, he, you know, he comes from a history of success, uh, playing, you know, with Andy Reid and all that, and from that system, etc. Um, he understands what he's been doing. He's had a year off to kind of evaluate where what he did wrong. Which another guy that you know, once they got fired by the Eagles, evaluated what they were doing wrong and kind of made some tweaks, wound up in Kansas City. Uh, his name's Andy Reid. So, you know, following that same path, I think that that's a guy that definitely, if you listen, he's done a lot of interviews on podcasts and such uh, during the last few months, talking about some of the adjustments that he's learned, things that he's made, learned, learned et cetera, and had plans to implement. And I think that that's the kind of guy that has had some time to evaluate and plan what he wants to do for his next gig, and he's going to be ready to go. Truth yeah, I think out of the three, it's got to be Peterson. I mean, Bill O'Brien was directly involved in trading um, DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. So I don't think that guy deserves to be anywhere near the NFL in the head coaching role. Uh, and Dan Quinn, I, I just, I think, no, we've talked about it before. I think he's just a guy who's a really good <laughs> defensive coordinator, but that's it. Like, that's the end of his rope. I don't think he, he's really made to be a head coach. Yeah. Yeah, see, so like, on the, on the surface, right, like, that that's kind of, like, our first thought. Like, on the surface, it's an easy question. But, like, when you look back and you kind of dig into it, there's arguments to be made on for everyone's case, right? Um, I, it's tough for me to say who deserves it the most. I would, I would put Dan Quinn at the bottom specifically just because of the talent that he does have as a defensive coordinator. Um, I, I can only say it so many times, but, like, being a – uh, prominent coordinator in the NFL, there's worse things in the world, right? So, because remember, Dan Quinn did still lead that Falcons team to the Super Bowl. You know, they, they, sure. they did have the collapse. We can blame that on Shanahan. Well, so what was they, the reason that they went to the Super Bowl? Was it the defense or the offense? He, but they he got to the Super Bowl, right? Yes, yes. So he so he led them to the Super Bowl. The only other time was when they, um, they got blown out by Denver. So th- there's an argument there. But like for Dan Quinn, it's he's just he's that good of a coordinator. We saw it with Seattle. We're seeing it with Dallas. So just stay there, own that role. Like Dick LeBeau, he could have been a head coach, but he's a Hall of Fame defensive coordinator. You can be in the Monty Hall Kiffin, of Monty Kiffin. Guys, yeah, you, you, be a coordinator. Yeah, you can be fantastic at it. So now when you talk about like. Bill O'Brien. So I'm just for shits and giggles. I'm going to say I'm going to put him just above Peterson because I think everyone else is kind of leading Peterson. Uh, yeah, Bill O'Brien. The biggest, the biggest obstacle, biggest issue with him is the GM spot. But when you look at him as a head coach, he did have actually. No one thinks about it. Like all we're thinking about is how he fucked up at the end of his tenure as a coach. Six years, four conference division championships with Houston. Like he did a really good job with them as a head coach. Uh, maybe there's some learning. He's doing good things at Bama. He did great things at Penn State. Great, you know, great learning th- uh, relationships with Tom Brady. So, like, I, he 
for me, he's maybe not as uh, as easy of a, of a black ball as we would think about. Uh, but definitely do not give him any any influence in the GM spot ever. No personnel control for that guy. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to name off some names for you guys. It, I the I think the answer is definitively Doug Peterson. So Doug Doug Peterson came on the Eagles in 2016. They won a Super Bowl in 2017. I right, I'm going to I'm going to start in 2015. I'm going to name the top two picks for the Eagles since he's been there. Nelson Aguilar and Eric Rowe, Carson Wentz and Isaac Ciamalo, Derek. Barnett, Sidney Jones, Dallas Goddard, Avante Maddox, Andre Dillard, Miles Sanders, and then his final year, Jalen Rager and Jalen Hurts. This is this, these are the types of drafts that Doug Peterson has been working with. These, these are the top guys out of all those guys. Do you even know some of these who some of these people are? I, I, obviously, Dallas Goddard. You know who he is. Uh, other than that, Car- and Carson Wentz, like. I mean, everyone I think Barnett, knows anybody would have missed on. Yeah. Barnett was supposed to be a stud. But Al- Bar- um, Barnett was Nelson is, is still a decent player. He's just not a first round. You know, yeah. he hasn't lived up to the first round pedigree for all, sure. All I'm saying is, is the the reason Peterson was fired is because he believed in Hurts, hated Wentz, wanted wanted Wentz out. How does that look? You know, a year later, it's only been a year since the guy's been fired. Hertz is now the starting quarterback, going to be starting against the Bucks next week in the playoffs, in the playoffs. which we're going to be talking about. So he was right about Hertz. He was definitely right about Carson Wentz, who inevitably got traded, which is so batshit crazy. You fire your Super Bowl winning coach, the only coach that's ever won a Super Bowl for your franchise, to, to then put in the guy that you believed in and got fired over? Dude, Doug Peterson got fucking robbed, and that team deteriorated around him. And yes, the, the records got progressively worse every year. Look at the talent that I just named off. They're not S- giving so him anything. So you're telling me Howie Roseman's a bad GM? Howie Roseman might be the best. I mean, now now that Gettleman's gone, and, he's, he's, he's the worst. And Pace. <laughs> Since Gettleman and Pace yep. are gone, Howie Roseman, congratulations. <laughs> you're at the bottom the of the shit throne. He's definitely the worst. There's no doubt about it. And then this year, Devontae Smith in the first round, like, nope. Dante Smith's never going to be a great player in the NFL. I'm sorry. He, he's, he's never going to be a great player in the NFL. That's another wide receiver. How, how fucking bad is this guy at drafting wide receivers? He drafted our Sega Whiteside uh, two picks before uh, DK Metcalf. He's horrible. He's horrible. He's like Har- Harbaugh and Belichick bad. Yeah. he it, <laughs> at, at drafting wide receivers, yes. And I know it's a crapshoot, but Howie Roseman has done Peterson no favors. I think Doug Peterson is going to pick up right where he left off. He out-schemed and, and outwitted uh, Bill Belichick in one of the greatest Super Bowls ever played. Uh, f- how many teams have done the Philly special since then? It's, 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 it's widely implemented yeah. now, and, and Jesus. Nick Foles! You want a fucking Super Bowl with Nick Foles? Took, took out the 13-win Bears, the 13-win Vikings on that road, who both looked unstoppable. People forget how good that Bears team was with the double doink game against against Philly. That team was electric. They were so good, and they just fired that head coach that got them there. Who that? Who Chicago? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because that team was ridiculous. That defense was so good, and that's been deteriorating around them. But I just think it's so obvious when you look at Peterson's situation what the problem was, and I don't understand what people don't get about that. Like he is, he clearly got a bad rap. I really believe that. And whoever yeah, gets I, him, I, I, I think it's going to pick right up. I agree up. on Peterson. I, I think it's weird with Bill O'Brien. Uh, again, like, did he has he done enough to like circle back and get another shot? I mean, what what did he do? He went. He was offensive coordinator at Alabama with all that talent under Nick Saban. Like, oh wow, that was super impressive. Yep. 
What a hard, what a hard gig he picked up there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I think he did that because he knew he was going to come back in the NFL. Uh, the NFL. My, my thing about Bill O'Brien is, I really think he's a tremendous head coach. But the arrogance that he displayed towards the end there, I, I, I just, it was, it was another level of arrogance. You know what I'm saying? Like, say, like to say, like, I don't need DeAndre Hopkins. Um, it's he, just, ugh, yeah, it's yeah, horrible. yeah. And for me, that that was like that's my first thought. And like, you know, I'm not to put him up there like outside of like argument's sake, but like if you can separate kind of like the Pete Rose argument, right? If you can separate coach versus the manager, right? Then there's not an argument. So if you if you are able to separate coach from GM, you know, the, he he did some fucking really good things over there in Houston. And the th- just just looking at pictures of Howie Roseman, he, he like <laughs> he, he pisses me off. Like it, he's like that sniveling. He was like the equipment manager, that like on, on on the team in high school that somehow got elevated to this position. Like he is, ugh, I, I just something slimy, and I I can't stand that guy. But who who would you guys out of everyone that's out there? Just just give me who who do you think besides Flores? We'll just assume Flores is our top pick, but. Rule out four is who do you guys like and why? Are we, are we ruling out Peterson too? Because we just gave all yeah. the reasons yeah. for him. Yes, yeah. So basically, any coach that we haven't talked about, and I think we should just automatically rule out uh, Bianami after some of the things that we were getting yeah. to uh, to read earlier. So uh, a lot of that's oh, that's bad. So let's just rule yeah. out who we talked about in Bianami. Yeah. So Bianami, we we did some research right for the podcast. I mean, he he didn't get hired in the last cycle, and a lot of people were shocked. Well, if you actually look into this guy's history, it's not so shocking. Uh, DUI in 2001. DUI, a few like uh, arrest for like assaults and stuff, a yep. sexual assault charge. Sexual assault charge, which by far is obviously the biggest. He apparently was violent towards a woman where he like put his hand around his throat. Yeah, put her hand around her, her throat. And uh, I think the quote was, uh, uh, me and a group of these big black men are your worst nightmare. It's, 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 that's, 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 that sounds fake. But. Well, that, 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 that's from the same <laughs> article as for is what her, her, her comments were. You know, I know I'm, he at one point was banned from his alma mater, Colorado, for stuff that he did on campus. Yeah, Oof. yeah, yeah. So obviously, some things are going to be stretched, but there's a, there's. A but, then he, but then he coached there later. Yeah, yeah. So Bianami's out for me. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of amazed he's. I'm kind of amazed he's even on their coaching staff after, you know, I don't know. Uh, Andy Reid's son almost killed some of them for the game last last year. Like Jesus. It, it, so after hearing that about Bianami, I mean, I, I he was my number one on my list for the Vikings, and he is officially out. Who do you guys like? Like any anybody that nobody's thinking about? You I guys mean, like? I I think that you, you can go to Tampa and you can pick either one of their coordinators and say that either one of those guys would be a good hire. Um, Todd Todd Bowles had a had a history of success. He was actually pretty good with the Jets, but that was another team that just did not put good talent around him and allow him to coach in in that situation that was you know beneficial. Um, and then you look at uh, obviously what the Jets did as soon as he left, and they went. Way they got way worse, right? Yeah. Um, then you look at Byron Leftwich, and you know under Bruce Arians, the last you know whatever four or five years, he's been a pretty pretty capable and effective offensive coordinator. The system that he wants to run is you know going to work in the NFL uh, as we've seen it do. So you know, I mean, it, it's hard to know exactly how much uh, how, how well Byron Leftwich is going to run the room as a head coach, but I know that the offensive system that he's going to put in place is going to be pretty good. So if he can, you know, hire the right guys around him, say he brings in a guy like Vic Fangio to be his defensive coordinator, I could see a a marriage like that working out pretty well. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Derek, anybody you like out there? 
Um, I, I like Dayball a lot. I know his name's being thrown out a few times. I think what Buffalo's done offensively to transform has been really impressive. Um, he, he, for whatever, I don't know how directly he was involved in the development of Josh Allen, but Josh Allen's looked a lot better than he did his rookie year. He's progressed pretty well every year. Um, it's really a competent offense, and and I, I think that he's a guy, especially for teams obviously looking for offensive minded pl- people, um, could be a good fit in Jacksonville. Could be a good fit in even Minnesota, somewhere that you're looking for a guy on, on that side of the ball. Yeah, I, I think he actually gets a lot of credit for the development of of Josh Allen. In all honesty, I do too. I just I don't obviously I don't you know know that situation intimately. I don't know who their quarterback coach is, but you got to think the offensive coordinator has a lot to do with it. For sure. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen has come so far, it's it's actually kind of insane how good that guy is. Uh, the, the name that intrigues me the most, and I, I don't understand how this guy's not back in the NFL already, I don't think it's going to happen based on what I'm hearing, but Jim Harbaugh is, is always going to be this sexy name for me. Um, you look at what happened to the 49ers right after he left. I mean, they just crumbled to pieces. Uh, the Harbaugh, there's something really special about the Harbaugh family. What, what did their dad say to him? before their dad would send them to school every single day and say go out there with an enthusiasm go out there and attack this day with enthusiasm unknown to mankind and you look at both these guys and they truly embody that i mean john harbaugh special teams coordinator you know that that elevated himself to one of the best coaches in the entire league uh great players coach just always fields great teams think about how terrible the ravens were this year the fact that they even won what nine games Nine, eight, or eight or nine games, or what? However many games they won, it was way too many. Um, and Jim Harbaugh, I think, is the same way. I, I think he got, kind of encountered a, sh- a shitty situation. He made the right call, seeing kind of a nobody in Kaepernick and elevating him when he did. And they went on that ridiculous run, beat Green Bay on the road, which nobody ever did. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, I think, is a fantastic coach, and he is. All the reports that you that we read this week about Flores, he's everything. That you read in those reports. He's the arrogant asshole who constantly wants more power because that's what good coaches do. I mean, when I hear these things about Flores, like I, you, you could just replace Harbaugh in any of those sentences, and I would believe that you were talking about Harbaugh. Oh, he talks down to rookies. Yeah, I guarantee you Harbaugh I mean, would do that. Con- considered one of the greatest coaches of all time, and the guy who Bilicek directly springs from his tree, Bill Parcells, is famous for, for oh, saying yeah. what? If you're going to make me cook cook the meal, at least let me buy the groceries, right? Exactly. So, so, I mean, that goes back to being he wanted GM power and GM control, and he got it in certain places and was very successful in doing so. So, I mean. I, I think his options are a little limited just because I think he needs to go to a place that also has a GM vacancy right now. Um, and you can kind of hire those guys in tandem, understand there's a partnership from day one, because some of these open jobs where there's an open coach, but there's an existing GM, that, that GM is probably on his last coach. Yeah. So I don't know that you're going to want to bring on a Harbaugh and have that kind of power struggle. And if it's not successful, then you're both out. Well, I know he's not going to Jacksonville to work with Trent Baalke because Trent Baalke was the GM that he had the power struggle with there in San Francisco. So we can just rule that out for Harbaugh. Um, Dolphins uh, already said no. Right. So, I, I mean, he was the quarterback for the Bears. That is a family that, you know, he would have some, you know, familiarity with. That could be a good fit for a guy like Harbaugh. Yeah, I, I like him a lot in in either New York or Minnesota. Um, there's there's a coach and GM vacancy. I think those are are one Minnesota obviously is an attractive job from a talent standpoint, and then two New York's an attractive job from a market standpoint. And the NFC East is just perpetually just a, a fucking crapshoot. Like you go in there and be competitive tomorrow. 
Yeah, I don't think he wants to go to the Broncos because I low-key thinks he, he kind of wants to be in a separate conference than his brother, kind of like the Eli brothers said that they were never going to play in the same conference together. <laughs> um, I Or the, the, the Manning brothers, the Eli brothers. Uh, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I like Eli brothers. I, I think Jim Harbaugh would be a success anywhere he goes. I, I really want to see it because I, I think that guy left a lot on the table, and I, I don't really understand his departure from the 49ers was kind of a mystery. That organization was kind of crumbling around him, and and, and look what they did immediately upon his exit. Yep, horrible. And, and also, and, does, does Josh McDaniel get that second chance yet? Or is he? Or we're just assuming he's he's the well, the Patriots. I mean, he did take the the head coaching job for the for the the Indianapolis <laughs> for the Colts, Colts for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> so, a, a lot of the coordinators right now, I think some they're either fit for me and like weird inexperience, or they're just good coordinators, right? Todd Bowles, I think. I mean, he he. There's potential. He probably didn't get a fair shake in a few spots just, like, for lack of talent on those teams. But he's doing a good job. Like, he might just be there. I think, for me... I mean, if I'm Todd Bowles... He's going to entertain I, it. You have to. I mean, sure, you you definitely look. But Bruce Arians has said that he doesn't plan on coaching forever. He's already retired once. I would be very much so in position to inherit a position like that. Uh, with the Bucks. I think that would be a good fit. Yeah, like so, four years from now, you still got Brady. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some of some of the, some of these younger coordinators that like Kellen Moore, whoever hires him, is going to be wrong. I don't think he's right. For me, he's not right. I, I just don't see that. He's younger that, than Kirk Cousins. Yeah, like I just I don't see I don't see it as I don't get that feeling as your like head coach. For, for me, it would have to be um, the only reason I would rule out uh, Rick Bisakia Satya. Rick, Rick, Rich Basaccia. Yeah, the only reason I would rule him out is just strictly on age in his early 60s, uh, 61, 62, uh, somewhere around there. Um, I think if he gets a head coaching job, it's the Raiders, right? Yeah, like, yeah. but for, I think one of the names not really getting tossed around is like Greg Roman. Like, he was flirted around with a few years ago. I mean, but he's he continues wherever he goes to always seem to do a really good job with – what the team has, like I mean, you had Lamar, Lamar Jackson, MVP. Then you have Lamar Jackson go out. Then you have Josh Johnson come out, and he looks fantastic. And then you have uh, Tyler Huntley come in, the seventh, sixth round pick, whatever, looks fantastic. So he finds a way to mold the offenses. And and if I remember correctly, he was the offensive coordinator with the Niners during the Kaepernick run, right? He sure was. Yeah. He was also. A successful run in Buffalo with Tyrod Taylor. In Buffalo. So, like, if if you want to kind of mold around a, like, offense coordinator, but, you know, he's right in that tweener spot to, he's like 49 or 50. So, like, he's got, he's got almost 30 years of NFL experience. So, but this is a name that hasn't been kind of flirted around. If, if for a name that we haven't talked about, I think that's a, kind of the surprise one that, you know, might might be time for him. How good would the Bears be for Harbaugh, though? Like, I mean, the, you take on Fields, who you could run kind of a Kaepernick-style offense with Fields easily. I think he'd excel with that kind of mobility built into the – and then kind of a spread formation. Um, there's no GM there. And I think, you know, khakis with that blue and orange, I think that would look good. <laughs> yeah, he it, 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 he would definitely fit well there. He, he's he's the, He's got the tenacity to come into a shitty organization and turn it around. That, that's what I love about Harbaugh. Another thing we, we really haven't touched on, uh, boy, man, the Giants are sh- sure just building a legacy over there with their amazing head coaches. I mean, we went from McAdoo to what? Uh, McAdoo and Shermer. Shermer to fucking Joe, Joe Judge. Judge. 
What a streak they are on. Holy shit, this team is a mess. Joe Judge finally gets on Black Tuesday fired because uh, that's how out of sorts the fucking Giants are. I swear that, uh, what's his name, John Mara? He was sitting there playing badminton, like ha- having a few, you know, day beers or whatever the fuck he does because he's rich and is kind of an idiot. And he heard, oh, everyone's saying you should fire Joe Judge. He's like, why? <laughs> Did you watch any games this year? No, not really. Didn't get around to it. Did everyone get that free Coke I offered? Uh, it's a fucking embarrassing situation. The fact that it took till Tuesday makes it even more embarrassing. I, Who I, would want to coach for this w- team? W- what I heard in regards to the reason why it took the time that it did is that uh, once Gettleman's retirement became official, Joe Judge apparently was not satisfied enough just being the head coach of a team <laughs> that he was lucky to be the head coach and actually asked to have a say in who they hired as the GM. Oh, and that's kind of what triggered them being like, um, we're not even sure you can do your current job, let alone are we going to let you hire the guy that we're going to you know, put ahead of you. So that's why they eventually decided to move on from him. Um, yeah. what, a, what a piece of shit. I mean, and this is a guy that's rubbing people the wrong way in all the wrong ways, making fucking like veterans do laps and like these traditional like drills. Like, nope, it's not how you coach an NFL team. Nobody wants this hard nose bullshit. First of all, it just doesn't work. No, no teams that are successful out there are fucking like, ah, drop and give me 20. Like, no. <laughs> no, I'm not going to fucking do that. Like, guys were retiring yeah. before the season rather than play for this idiot. You only get to make people do laps when you win as many Super Bowls as Belichick has. For sure. Or do anything. <laughs> literally anything. Maybe just not have a double-digit losing season. <laughs> that's yeah. all fucking, that's Joe Judge's entire resume. The guy's an embarrassment, and the Giants are such a fucking mess. I would never want to go. Go there. back with the punters and long snappers. Just stick stick to what you know because it is not being a head coach. Nope, I, I I don't see that guy ever getting another chance. But who knows? Mars is probably no too busy trying to introduce another stupid fucking rule. Well, the, he's the reason. He's the reason we have that we have taunting now. I know, and it, it, he's totally <laughs> the type of douchebag though. Put that in. Also, Sean McVay was on that committee, so there's multiple people to blame for that. But let's launch in the playoffs. I. Uh, we got some we got some sh- really shitty games. Let's let's start from the the game that that Marcus is actually going to uh, Steelers at Chiefs. Um, Big Ben is just being classic Big Ben all week already. Coming out saying we're terrible. We're we're probably the fourteenth best team. You know, like we're just gonna go out there and have a good time. Almost that, like if, if you he's I, trying I, to he's trying to pull a, a Peyton Manning aw shucks. It uh, is this aw shucks like oh we we suck. And he, nobody nobody lays down the excuses before the game has even begun, quite like Ben Roethlisberger, whether it be an, a, a phantom injury that he somehow got the week before or just randomly, yeah, we suck, we shouldn't win this game. Like, you almost respect it because he's laying the ground that if they do go out and win, he can say, like, yeah, we suck. And, like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's what all the reports are. I mean, it's the largest spread for a wild card game ever in the history of the NFL, 13 points. So, like, and that's all that. But when have you ever seen a player come out and say that? Well, he's not saying, like, we suck, but, like, he's clearly mocking. He literally said it. Yeah, I know. I listened to it, but he's clearly mocking to, like, everything that everyone's reading and writing or, you know, writing. The the fact of the matter is they do suck. Uh, Per DVOA, they have the worst worst DVOA of any team in the playoffs at 24th, which is not 14th, right? So they're worse than, like, nine other teams that are in the playoffs per DVOA. They are... uh, 
currently weighted DVO has them at 25th, which means that they're actually trending downward. Um, their DVOA in terms of offensive is at 25th, and then their defense is at 14th, special team 17th. They don't really do anything well. They kind of just locked into the playoffs. In my opinion, their biggest issue is their offensive line, and now they're going to go against Chris Jones and... Um, What's his name? Uh, Jaron Reed in the middle there. And then uh, they're going to have, uh, you know, uh, Melvin Ingram, who they sent to Kansas City, uh, coming off the edge for him. They're going to have Chuck some problems. They're going to have some problems on the defensive line, That's dealing with the defensive line. That was a good move Kansas by City. Tomlin, for sure. And uh, I think that, you know, this this line is well-warranted. Yeah. It's, it's is, he well- the, is he the GM, too? Well, well, he had uh, everyone likes to say that he has his say into these guys, and he didn't want to be here. But I'm pretty sure he has a say on who's playing and who's on the field, or the coaches that he hires that makes those decisions. Maybe, maybe, but but nonetheless, I mean, we all know shit. The the Giants beat the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl, right? Yep. All you have to do is get to the dance, get some pressure. You have to obviously it comes down to defense being consistent, making plays. Like when the Giants won those games, they had four defensive linemen and Eli Manning, who wasn't really all that special at the time, and Plaxico post shooting his dick off. So, <laughs> like, but that, but that's all you need, right? So now we're starting to look into an ugly, potentially, hopefully, an ugly like cold weather, weather game, and sh- anything could happen, right? That's all you. That's good. All, so, yeah. so the thing about weather games is, the Chiefs' offense scares me. In weather games, games with poor weather, it tends to favor the offense, especially when you've got skill position guys like the Chiefs have who are quick and shifty. So because the biggest issue in weather games is that the offense knows where they're going. The defense is reacting, right? So I'm now reacting to a guy who's making this cut or doing this juke, etc. I'm more likely to slip than they are because I don't know what they're doing. I'm trying to react to it. Um, that can lead to huge big play, like big plays. And if there's a team better in the league that big plays than Kansas City, I don't know who the hell they are. Yeah, I mean, th- there's no way to like say like Kansas City. They, they've been playing fantastic football. We know that. Um, shouldn't shouldn't be a thirty point game. You know who knows? You, you never know. But like Pittsburgh has just enough pieces to do like weird shit, right? Like Fo- football is weird. So specifically on the defensive end, like Cam Hayward shouldn't be playing at an all pro level at 33, but he's playing the best football he has. So uh, for them, yeah, you can't, no turnovers. You have to be sound in the trenches. Like this is, that's where you, there works where they, us, we, us, Pittsburgh, uh, has the best and only real chance to like, A, make it a game, but like pull off the upset. But like that's where it has to be. Sound, no mental mistakes, no turnovers, all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, what what is Tomlin known for throughout his career? He is the ultimate dog coach. Uh, he plays, he statistically plays the best. He gets his teams ready for, for these games. That is fact. I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I, you know, I, I do think that, I think the Chiefs ultimately cream them, but from a betting perspective, uh, 12 and a half points, that's a fuckload of points. Um, I think I'm going to bet, I bet Steelers to cover that. Uh, I do think it's going to be a barn burner, though. Could be a really fucking high scoring game. It also comes down to the weather. So I know two da- two days ago it was it was supposed to be like low of twenty five and a high of like forty five with zero percent chance of you know snow or rain and no no precipitation. So now we're at eight eight ten percent, but now it's snowing the day before and raining hard the night before. So you know with those type of adjustments, like true, like let's be honest, like bad weather is. Pittsburgh's best opportunity in this game. Like, clean weather, where do we kind of 
felt and saw what happens, obviously blowing out teams. The motivation is there for Pittsburgh, and Tomlin is fantastic as an underdog. Like that's when they are at their best. When they're when they're like everyone sees them head and shoulders above other teams, that's when they kind of slack off a little bit. And that's just how it's been. It's but like, yeah, being a dog, bad weather, that's that that that's what would make But this the a bad weather, game. both of these lords are from Winterfell. <laughs> <laughs> they're from this. They're gonna have their they're gonna have their dire wolves ready. Like they're both of them are born of this. I, I, I don't know. I, I think the weather could benefit Big Ben, but fucking Patrick Mahomes, he, he I've seen him in so many snow games just play like as if there's nothing going on around him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, what I'm saying scary. That's, that's the the potential equalizers is the weather. It's only it's the only way it gets you know. So one thing uh, Newman didn't mention about DVOA is that they actually are not huge fans of Kansas City, who are seventh, seventh. on their seventh on their overall rankings. Like that's really low. That's the number one team in the AFC. Um, so you know, number or uh, sorry. Uh, Sorry, number two seed in the AFC. Um, that I don't know. Yeah, um, that's that, that's kind of alarming. So they like them on offense a lot. They have them as third. Uh, what regresses for them or pulls them down is their defensive DVOA, where they're twenty fourth. Um, their special teams is actually third as well. So it is definitely picked up by the other uh, aspects of it. Um, their defense is. You know, as we saw at the beginning of the season, you're, you can you can put up some points on their defense, and we just saw it but, uh, pretty recently too. But they've played much better as a whole, for sure. As a whole, since the Melvin Ingram addition, um, and I kind of expect that to more play a, a role here today. Um, in, in in regards to this game, is, but, is Dan Sorensen their defensive NFL MVP for that team? Like that guy seems to like lat, plat, the last few playoffs, he's always the one making the big plays. And like early on the season when they sucked, like he was the one they're trying to like blame the big plays on. And then he starts making defense pick sixes, like defensive plays all over the time. And now their defense is like climbed. And being at twenty four, they've climbed up from how bad they were. No, according he, to Chiefs fans, Tyron Matthews is the greatest player of all time. I do love me some honey badger. <laughs> he's 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 decent, but he yeah. he's really washed up for a twenty nine year old. Uh, what 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 the Steelers need to do to win this game? They need to try and punch Kansas City in the mouth, dude. If I'm if I'm Tomlin, I am so fucking aggressive. I come at Mahomes with everything I got. Hope that secondary can hold for as long as they can, and just take some fucking chances. Why not? This, this, yeah. this team should not win this game. Do everything you can. Blitz the shit out of Mahomes. Uh, you know, fake punt. Fake, uh, go for two, um, you know. Uh, and anything other than what we continue to see. Su- surprise onside kick. Oh, f- fourth and one at the 18. Let's just take five delay games and punt it. How many How many of uh, Dan uh, Dan the Caveman up there in uh, in, in Detroit's uh, trick plays can I copy from from Sunday? <laughs> like, what? So, so, yeah, you, ha- you have to pull it out. Like, they're, Kansas City's talented as fuck. Pull it out. Do what you got to do. Get the win. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the boys. 49ers at Cowboys. Cowboys are three-point favorites. 49ers are hot as fuck. Uh, if you looked at them at the end of last season, like they really pulled themselves up, beat the Rams at the, as the final game. What do you guys' take on this game? This might be the game that I'm torn on the most as far as uh, against the spread, like betting, where, where it goes, because – a, what Dak are we going to get? Like, what Jimmy G are we going to get? Or how are they going to use him? Like, what's going to go on there? But, like, specifically, what fucking Dak are we going to get? Like, this could this should be probably outside of Pittsburgh, Kansas City. I think 
this has the potential to be the lowest scoring game just because if you, know, you start getting turnovers, weird gritty, it's kind of it's kind of fun to like see like the Niners Cowboys because that's kind of what we grew up with, right? Dallas and San Francisco is always in the NFC divisional playoffs or the NFC championship, always against each other. This is for me is just the toughest game all around. Um, I can't wait to watch Mike in his first playoff game now. Um, that Dak ha- Dak has to show like I'm not going to be super impressed about throwing you know five touchdowns against a Philly team that like wasn't really that didn't give a shit about that game. So congrats on that, but like. Time to step up. So now this is when the season starts. So we're going to see how people, everyone reacts to it. So DVOA likes the Cowboys more. They have them weighted as the number one team per DVOA throughout the course of the regular season. And San Francisco is sixth. Uh, Dallas is first versus uh, fifth in terms of weighted. Um, And then offensive DVOA, they actually have 49ers fifth, Cowboys sixth, and then Defensive, they have the 49ers seventh and the Cowboys second, with the biggest differential coming on special teams where the Cowboys are sixth and the 49ers are 26th. Everything that I just read leads me to believe that the Cowboys are probably more likely to win this game, except for I know for a fact that the 49ers have the much better coaching staff, right? Uh, I trust Kyle Shanahan going up against Dan Quinn, his former head coach, uh, when they were in Atlanta. As we mentioned earlier, Shanahan was the offense coordinator and play caller. He should know how to scheme around that defense. And I just think that, you know, he's got a more recent history of success. I'm leaning uh, 49ers in this game for sure. Um, and I think that they're going to find a way to, you know, to scheme out, scheme what they need to do to, you know, put a little eye candy in there to get the linebackers moving the wrong way for Dallas and, and take advantage of that. Do you think, so I like throwing hypotheticals out. So let's just say San Francisco is kind of up late and they go to throw the ball. Dallas has some interceptions to, you know, win the game late. And uh, do you think Dan Quinn comes up to Kyle Shanahan's like, that's why you run the ball, you stupid bitch. <laughs> Dude, this, this team of fucking choke artists on, on for the Cowboys. Like, are the Cowboys really good? Yes. But what Dak's going to show up? I know what Dak's going to show up. Playoff Dak. Shitty Dak. <laughs> Kirk Cousins Dak. The Dak that doesn't rise to big moments. The Dak that falls. I think San Francisco's going to win this game. I think they're actually going to win it handedly. Um, I cannot wait to see Debo Samuel burn digs on a play. You know it's going to, you know it's coming. You know it's fucking coming. They're, they're going to use D, D, uh, Debo Samuel all over this game. Uh, they really need George Kittle to step up and be just a fucking monster, which he will. I expect him because to. Because Kittle is one of these guys that you can see, like, he puts his body in such harm's way that I swear Kyle Shanahan probably comes up to him and goes, bro, chill the fuck out a little bit. <laughs> like, you, you, you don't need to be the Spartan warrior, but the Kittle that I want to see is the Kittle that came alive in the fourth quarter against the Packers earlier this year, where Kittle just completely took over this game, was breaking tackles left and right. That's the Kittle they need, and they need Jimmy Garoppolo to turn back into playoff Jimmy that we saw in their Super Bowl run. Uh, the guy that's just good enough, doesn't make the mistakes, but I, I could see San Francisco, I could see this game getting out of hand, um, it's either going to be out of hand San Francisco or it's going to be a really close, I think, slight win by San Francisco. And this might just be optimism from a meme page uh, and all the glory that comes with the Dallas loss, especially when you're running a, a, a Facebook group that is like 58,000 Dallas fans, it seems like, out of the 108. 
But I just want to see, man, that, oh, God, when Dallas loses. And if they win, it's fucking insufferable. So, please, San Francisco. I think it's just wishful thinking. So, so I mean, part of me thinks that I don't I don't think it's going to be a complete blowout. I could totally see Dallas getting ahead in this game um, because San Francisco's DBs are a little bit weak, and obviously Dallas does have some talented wide receivers. So, but I think the where San Francisco is going to succeed is making the adjustments, right? Because I don't think that... Dallas is going to be able to keep up in regards to that. And we've seen Kyle Shanahan do that time and again, where he's, you know, led some comebacks in in terms of some of the things that they've discovered in game uh, to bring the game back in their favor. True. Derek, you got any, got any wild takes on this one? I I just think for me, you know, it's kind of a cliche and, and, but this game, I think it's more so true just because of how, why the gap is between their floor and their ceiling. It's really going to come back down to what quarterback shows up because both of them have games where they could go out and win you a game and make some really electric plays. And both of them could be an absolute liability and turn the ball over four times. So um, I think I trust Dan Quinn and, and the Cowboys personnel to do it to Garoppolo more than I do kind of a, a bare cupboard as far as what San Francisco has, um, and especially in the secondary. But Right now, it's hard to really deny like Debo Samuel, his impact. You can make plays everywhere, all over the field. Um, if they can stay on time and kind of keep it out of Garoppolo's hands, I, I think they have a shot at it. But I, I think I'm leading the Cowboys um, as much as I want them to lose. And, dude, I can't blame you at all. Like like what Newman was saying in terms of DVOA, and by the way, me and Newman were the only real only people that were really buying in DVOA last year. Uh, the Bucks, by the way, were number one for pretty much the entire season. I held on as the Bucks as my, my Super Bowl favorite because of that. It, it really is, if you look in past seasons, it is a great indicator of what team is going to excel in the playoffs. And Dallas is over. It's not like it's even close. They're overwhelmingly the number one DVOA team. They pace the next team by by over 3%. And if you look at these rankings, the drop-off between them and it's, it's this weighted DVOA that they use, I mean, it's well over 10%. So according to them, this, is, this game isn't even close. The thing for me is, and I, it's exactly what Newman said, coaching. If this game comes down to coaching for me, Kyle Shanahan, you know, that, that motherfucker, he, he, he can coach a hell of a game. <laughs> Personnel-wise, he, he's, he's, a, he's a questionable GM when he steps in on decisions. I, I don't know if I want anybody else besides him um, in this NFC uh, coaching for me. He's, he, I think he's that good. So we'll see. Let's let's move it on. Uh, that 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 game. It, by by the way, I, th- I think that might be the game of the week. But another fucking really intriguing game that is the Cardinals and Rams. Talk about two teams that did not want to win the NFC West. <laughs> the teams just fell off towards the end. It's two horribly flawed teams, and I think it's only apropos that they should find themselves playing each other in the playoffs on Monday Night Football, which I fucking hate. <laughs> I absolutely despise that there's a Monday night football game this this year. Like, why do that? They have to play the next week, so now they're going to have to play in a short week. Yeah, like, it has to be adjusted some which way, but not either stupid. way. It's not. Yeah, it's not going to be. They should have played on Saturday or Sunday. You should have given us what you gave us last year, which was three games on Saturday and Sunday. That was fucking epic. I want that every year. But of course, for ratings, I'm sure they're pushing this to Monday. Uh, wow, two really flawed teams. What What do you guys think about this one? I think this one comes down to, to, to literally two players. Uh, if Cooper Cup can stay on time offensively and they can get him 
if if they could struggle to contain him, which I think they will. He, he's he's hard to contain. What he does is hard to contain. Um, I think that the Rams' offense stays proficient and, and kind of on time and and um, efficient too. But I really think it comes down to Aaron Donald. If he can get collapse that middle, put that middle of the offensive line in, in Kyler's lap to the point where he can't see, which doesn't take a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the the Cardinals are going to be in trouble as far as how they manage their offense, how they how they stay out of third and longs. And I, I think if you're in a bunch of third and longs against the Rams, Jalen Ramsey locking people down, I, I just don't think that's really a recipe for success. And McVay's got to get it done. Um, they got to get some momentum going. If they run into San Francisco again, like they got to get that monkey off their back too. I think McVay has a lot of proof here. You know, he came in, he was super hot as when he's as initially taking over as a head coach, you know, kind of that, that genius boy wonder kind of thing. And, and that starts to fade after a little while. You got to, you actually got to win. Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, let's be honest. Them being the four seed in the NFC, it's, it's a bad year for like the talent that they have there. Like it's, you know, we expect- far and away the most talented roster in that division. Yeah, like we we expected them to like seriously be the number one, two at worst, you know. But they barely barely held on to the four seed, and that's that's underperforming with the talent that's there. All pros at every single level. Uh, the quarterback matchup for me is kind of the interesting one to kind of like see. Like Kyler finally gets in here. Like they've been struggling. Can they kind of piece it together? Like there's there's no doubt. There's no debate that like the Rams have a much more talented team, but like on their end, Matt Stafford's hasn't won a playoff game yet. So like, is this, it, it's a big game for him. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head right there. To me, the key to this game is actually Matt Stafford, right? If Matt Stafford shows up and plays as he should, right? As this guy that they invested multiple dra- first round draft picks in order to go get, if he can he play like a solid quarterback on, on uh, this weekend, Monday, then the Rams win the game easily. But, if he struggles, uh, especially the way that Arizona likes to blitz, Vance Joseph, Joseph is going to be trying to put a lot of pressure on them. If they can find a way to, you know, kind of double cover or do whatever they need to do in regards to kind of limiting what Cooper Cup's impact in that game is going to be, and Matt Stratford struggles to hit other receivers, that's the key to success for Arizona in this game. And so for me, uh, the most important player in this game is going to, in fact, be Matt Stafford yeah. and, 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 and how he plays. He, he has no excuse because, like, what, what have we all talked about since he was drafted one uh, to Detroit? Man, if he just played on a good team, he'd fucking deliver. And, like, he, like he could have a legitimate chance at being in there. And, like... You know, he's had a solid season, way too many turnovers, but he, you know, he won some games that at late he did some great drives, although some of those games were his fault that they were behind. But, yeah, it's it's on him. Like, it, you have to get the monkey off your back because if if he comes out and shits the bed, kind of like that first half against the Ravens, guess what? The, the only thing anyone talks about all offseason is, did they make the right move? Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, that'll be the biggest biggest storyline of the whole offseason most likely um i expect the rams to win this game um because i do think matt stafford will play at least well enough um in order for them to take care of business and then like you said they are just they're just the more talented team you know top to bottom here uh when we're dealing with the cardinals but yeah the most the most alarming thing for the cardinals for me is if you look at last couple games like their wide receivers have just like dropped off the face of the earth like their their wide receiver overwhelmingly in the final game was Zach Ertz uh and I think their second highest receiver for that game was James Conner James Conner's like been their best receiver James Conner is an average running back I mean he had less than four yards to carry this this week they're gonna have to rely 
on the passing game against this dominant defensive front which Aaron Donald's going to come out fucking swinging. And, and they have to unleash Kyler. Like, if you're Arizona, you you cannot hold any strings back. You need Kyler needs to be able to use full, like, go full force in terms of using his legs and running and, and doing whatever he needs to do, get him outside the pocket, any trick plays or any, like, gadget stuff that you want to pull out. This is definitely the game to do it. Um, but like you said, Arizona is, is you know, kind of trending down. Uh, they're 10th in overall DVOA, but they're 16th in weighted DVOA. So, so the weighted DVOA just measures the last few games higher. Uh, that's why they're you know they're much lower in regards to that. Yeah, I mean they they miss Hopkins. JJ Watt might be back, which could you know helps. Obviously, he's definitely not, would help against the run. Yeah, and Cam Akers he came back had a couple carries. You know, kind of at least puts another kind of you know kink element. In, yeah, that'd be El- another element another that element. Rams offense. Yeah, so yeah. like the, there's a there's a lot going on, and you know. The, uh, Drew kind of was touching on it earlier too, like with you know, and you could actually everyone has with like McVeigh, like he kind of needs this win to like reassert himself. Cliff kind of does too, like he's done a fantastic job, like he's done really well. Unconventional. The doubters are con- going to continue to doubt no, as no, long as he does not win a playoff game. E- either whoever loses this game, as far as the head coach for whatever the reason might be, they're going to be catching shit all off season. Like, is this is this really the guy? Well, especially the Rams, who have really gone all in. I mean, you you look at the moves that they're making, and and Newman hit it on the head. I mean, this is this is this game's on Stafford. What Stafford are we going to see? If you look at Stafford, he makes horrible mistakes sometimes. He he's looked so bad in some of these games. He threw for three picks against the Vikings, and the Rams still won. Like we cannot see that Stafford. It, but the thing is gunslinger that he is, you can't even try to neuter him because if you try to neuter him, you're not going to put up enough points against a pretty good offense. Uh, I, I I really, really worry about the Rams if Stafford isn't 100% himself. But at the same time, I think we see a ridiculously flawed team in the Cardinals, and I just don't see it happening. I think Rams are going to roll. Yep. All right, uh, moving on, Bucks eagles um, I think maybe one of the most un- 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 uninteresting games outside of the, obviously, the ridiculous Chiefs-Steelers line, and obviously Vegas agrees at eight and a half points. Any chance for the Eagles here? Absolutely. Um, so, obviously, like, coming coming into this, if if you're looking for, like, me personally on what game I would teeter back and forth on, the most you'd assume is the Rams versus the Cardinals. Like, I love the Cardinals root for them. And uh, then you got the Rams, who is like my Super Bowl pick. Here, I'm torn. They obviously like finances have some some influence here, but like you have Philly. Like I fucking love Jalen Hurts. Talk him up any opportunity I get, and he's carried. He's willed this Philly team and to the playoffs. Like no one thought they'd be here except for me. But then you got Tampa. Like I'm making money off everything. Like I'm doing. Gonna go see the Steelers play the Chiefs, uh, and Tampa's really good. I have to love Philly covering here. And do I think that there's a weird opportunity for them to win? Absolutely. Because just because like Tampa's thin, like they're, they're fucking in, they're decimated as far as like injuries go. You have to be healthy. You have to be healthy at this point in the year. It's, it's kind of a long shot. They're probably, they might be the biggest long shot. The spread doesn't indicate like who's the long, like, Steelers are the biggest long shot, but like for me, Philly could be, but I like them and like, They've played really good football for the most part for the last, like, eight weeks, kind of figuring out what they actually do have, kind of making it work. Sirianni's did a fantastic job the last half of the season. 
I I hope Tampa just pulls away early so I can you know start looking into the you know the next round. But, but who's gonna beat who's gonna beat Tampa on this Philly team? That that that's the problem. Jalen Hurts hasn't shown really in any game this year that he can be this like dominant force, especially against teams like Tampa. Yeah, yeah. So Tampa like. We we their run defense hasn't quite been as dominant as we've expected. Like the Levante David's supposed to come back from IR designated so, return. So, so for the Bucks, in regards to the injuries, the expectation is that everyone but Levante David is is going to play uh, on Sunday. That means Leonard Fournette, Shaquille Barrett, JPP, etc. The one person who's still somewhat questionable is Levante David, it's a huge piece who has been the biggest key in regards to the Bucks run defense in the games where the Bucks run defense has not lived up to expectations. It has been because he has been out. Yeah. But and Philly doesn't run the ball anyways. So I think that you what, talk about yes, how yes, you know, yes, two they, teams most yards whoa, per game this year, pal. Philly definitely runs the ball, man. Where are you coming but how from? Many those is, but how many of those are Jalen Hurts is what I'm saying. A lot of them. A lot of them. A lot of them. But the last eight weeks, they've actually had a nice mix and balance of... Let me of, let me rephrase that. They're not going to be running at Vita Vea a lot. Yeah, but guess what? You no. don't have to. They're not a tra- they're not a traditional run team, which is kind of where Tampa was strong at. So yeah, they, they mix yeah. it up as far as the run goes. But guess what happens when you have a mobile quarterback against, especially a right. secondary that's struggling. So that's, so, so, that's so, their opportunity so, right there. So, so I think it's a little bit of a myth that the Bucks secondary struggles because... Most teams are not able to run the ball against them, so that means that they tend to try to throw, right? There are some teams where they just completely don't even try to run because they know they're not going to be successful at it, especially with Levante David in. So when Levante David is in the lineup, teams try to throw the ball against the Bucks. And yes, they have some success, but in, if you look at actual like metrics on yards per attempt and yards per pass and all that kind of stuff, it actually is not a very high rate that teams are successful. Plus, the Bucks secondary has been very dinged up and are getting healthier. Yeah. So plus, who on the Eagles' uh, passing game, like who of their passing uh, uh, pass catchers, are you actually scared of? Because yeah. I'm not scared of any of them. Well, kind of like think, I think Miles Sanders is a really bad matchup if for you guys if if, if David doesn't play. It's yeah. It's so so for Philly, it's going to be on more broken plays. So like where Tampa's their big plays have come up like in the passing game. It's man. So it has nothing to do with like their safeties. It's where man where they haven't been able to get pressure. So if, they, if they're able to dominate in the front like they have shown flashes of and like they did all last season, it's not close. But Philly will if, – if, if they struggle up front, then it gives – Philly's talentless receivers opportunities to make weird, like weird splat, broken splash plays, which is kind of like what Philly's been really good with this season, broken splash plays, and where Tampa's struggled giving but, some but, plays. But how is Philly going to stop Tampa, right? Like, you, the, if they're going to have to count on big plays, they need to get some stops somewhere, right? Well, so, we, Philadelphia's we one receiver to cover, is so. 25th in defensive, in, in DVOA, okay? Um, against the pass, they're 25th. Against the rush, they're 19th. Like and and the way to DVOA isn't necessarily liking them any better at 26, so they're actually trending down. You're gonna have Leonard Fournette back, who's actually been awesome, especially as a pass catcher out of the backfield, right? Then you've got Gronk, you've got J- uh, Bray, you've got Mike Evans. Uh, That's it. Yeah, I know. Like, I, yeah, I got that. So you've got you've got Brashad, Brashad Perriman. Um, so yeah, like. The Bucks' offense, I don't think that Philly's going to really be able to stop them, and I think that's the biggest key in regards to this. If Philly can find some stops and hit some of those busted plays, sure, they have a chance. Yeah, Philly's but, top 10 in rushing yards per game as defense, and they're right, also— Right, but DVO, DVOA against against the rush, they're 19th. 
Well, we're, we're, we're leaning a little hard on DVOA, but I, I see Newman's point. I, this defense just isn't any good. Um, there's not a lot of talent there. This, this isn't a defense that Tom Brady's going to lose against. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they don't wow you, but when you talk about, like, yards they've given up as a whole, so, like, they, they want to do ball control, right? That's how you beat Tom Brady, ball control. That's how you beat the best of the best quarterbacks. So, Philly's... 9-11 and 11 as far as rushing yards and passing yards against. They have to be creative. There's no way around. Tampa's a better team. We know that. But the, but what I'm trying to answer your question with is that that's how they do it. You have to, some of those broken plays, you have to win those broken plays. And you have to keep the ball out of Brady's hands. That's the only way it's ever been done is to keep it out of his hands. Here's my thing. In Philly, Eagles played one of their best games of the year back in October uh, they gave the Bucks everything they had, and everything was clicking for Philly in this game. The Bucks were making horrible mistakes. Uh, Tom Brady was not very sharp until the fourth quarter when he completely took it over and and won this game. Um, or sorry, Philly, Philly came back in this game. But th- to me, th- this was Philly throwing everything they had against the Bucks, and they still came up short. That was in Philly. This is going to be in Tampa. We're going to get Tampa Tom, or we're going to get playoff Tom. We're going to get playoff Grunk, who you have to think has been playing on training wheels because they don't want him to get hurt before the playoffs, just like last year. So you're you're going to get everything out of out of Brady, and then what, what else are we going to see? The defense playoff is- Lenny, yeah, who At- came alive last year, and Lenny's back. I I, I think they're going to steamroll. And the defense has been playing at a much or should play better with you know. Shaquille Barrett and JPP back, who they've been without for several weeks. Honestly, I don't even really care about the like the, the, the Bucks defense has been struggling. They just have to play average in this game, in my opinion, to win. No, but the Bucks I think, offense but I'm is saying I so think much better play, than the Eagles. I think defense. they play better. So yeah, you know, we saw what the Bucks defense did last year. It carried them to the Super Bowl, right? So the, I mean, I think yeah, I think the offense is a lot better. And, and again, I, I I can't say enough, but full force unleashed Grunk in the playoffs. It's a force. And it's going to be a force in this game. Can't forget about uh, about um, Lane Johnson, though. You know, offensive weapon Lane Johnson. He has more uh, touchdown receptions this year than Kenny Galladay. <laughs> so that's something you got to like watch out for. I mean, we all have the same amount of touchdown receptions <laughs> as Kenny Galladay. So, <laughs> but yes, absolutely. All right, let's move on to the Raiders. So do you, listeners? By the way, yep. Let's move on. <laughs> let's move on to the Raiders Bengals game. Another really exciting game. Uh, the Raiders, one of the hottest teams in the NFL. They, they finish off the season with four wins in a row. Uh, looking good. Darren Waller fucking looked fantastic in, the, in, in his final game. Finally back just in time to not do anything for my fantasy team. <laughs> um, any chance of the Bengals heavily weighted? By the way, Bengals also finished hot as fuck this season. But they didn't play the last game. And I think that might be important. What do you guys take? What's your take on this game? Any An upset, maybe? Definitely take the Raiders plus the points. I like, you know, they burn me a few times, but man, they. So, it's not necessarily the, uh, the final four wins. Like, good for them. The sort the story's unbelievable, right? Yeah. But that this, that energy, like that finish, even though they all like they still found a way. Like they could. I just I love what the Raiders are doing. Maybe part of it is because I'm mushy towards them. I kind of feel for them. And maybe because and I also partly hate the Bengals. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I do have a lot of respect for what the Bengals have done, um, especially down the finish. Like, they're going to be good for a while. But I, that final finish, just the way that it kind of synced up, because so uh, one of the things that they were talking about, um, we were reading, was um, if they tied that final game, Raiders go to Kansas City, 
and Chargers end up um, in Cincinnati. But, like, Raiders win, man. It, it's just weird. One of those weird magic things that there's nothing, there's no reason, rhyme or reason outside. Like, there's no statistical backing that I could say that, you know, the Raiders are going to win this game other than the fucking Raiders are going to win this game. Kind of, you know, put, you know, go Derek Carr, go put put on a show. Just there's there's no there's no numbers. There's it's just the, one of those feelings based on what they've done to get here. Yeah, so I, I'm going to take the Bengals here. Um, I think the Bengals win this game. Uh, I'm not positive that they cover though. The five and a half is a little bit is a little bit uh, high for me. I think this game totally comes down to Joe Burrow with the ball in his hands at the end of the game and leading a comeback or leading them down the field to score and punch it in for the to win the game. Agreed. I think we're going to see Clutch Joe rise to the moment. And yeah, is this Derek Carr's first playoff game? It is, right? Um, so the last time the Raiders were in the playoffs, he actually had a really good season, but he got hurt, hurt. at the end. And Connor uh, Cook uh, wound up starting the game, I believe, for uh, for the Raiders. So, yes, it would be his first uh, NFL playoff start. Yeah, and, and remember the Bengals thumped the Raiders in Vegas earlier this year. By, uh, 32-13 was the score. So yeah. like the, 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 the pieces are there. Uh, well, do, do you have a weather report for up there? Hopefully snowing. I'll tell you right now. I I'll tell I'll tell you I'll give you one reason you just can't you can't believe in Derek From Carr, and it's right here. With a gray rate to the valley. <laughs> with a gray rate. So, um, with a gray rate. if you want to know what we're listening to right now, go ahead and Google E E C U Derek Carr. It's a commercially did while they were in Oakland for a local credit union, and it is. It is it is hard to watch. Um, listen to this. This is and low rates are a must. Um, it is I, I I can't I can't give love to a guy that would do a commercial like that. It's 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 unwatchable. But no, I, according to DVOA, these are two really average teams that are facing up against each other. But the Raiders are significantly worse. Um, and 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 you're right, dude. Joe Burrow, the greatest college playoff quarterback in college history this guy is so big in the right moment give me this guy i i I think i think since he's going to go on a run and i don't even think since he's that good i just think joe burrow is i think i mean they're loaded in terms of their their skill position players uh uh, including burrow so they're going to give you know the raiders a hard time their defense hasn't really stopped anybody i don't think they're gonna be able to stop the Bengals on sunday um or saturday rather um but I do see, you know, this game kind of going back and forth a little bit, and I think the Raiders have a pretty good offense themselves. So I think it's close, but I have the Bengals winning at the end. Um, everyone roots for, you know, Kevin in Home Alone, so uh, we don't want Marv to win. Yep. Derek looks like Marg. That's rude. <laughs> Derek, what do you think? You, you're going to <laughs> go with the right Derek spelling? No, nah, I'm not. I'm going to go Bengals by a lot. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. Um, I think if you look at the two, the last two meaningful games Cincinnati played, they had two different receivers go absolutely fucking off. Uh, so if you're the Raiders, who do you cover? They don't have the the personnel to cover everybody. Um, I, I think right now Cincinnati is just really hot. They're the hotter team. They're rolling. I don't think they're particularly good. They probably lose next week because Burrow has a bunch of turnovers. But this week, I think they roll. By the way, these teams did face off during the regular season, and it wasn't even close. The yeah. Bengals absolutely bitch slapped the Raiders in Vegas. In, uh, in Vegas. Yeah. So that's that's a little bit alarming. That, that's actually before Burrow even caught his steam. So it's also 
by the way, before the Raiders kind of caught their steam and, and really got going. But um, yeah, that that's that doesn't bode well. That wasn't even that long ago; it was just a month ago. So, yep. All right, guys. Any closing thoughts? Are we gonna do the last game? Oh, there's another game. Yeah, the uh, you forgot about it. Derek's team it happens to be playing. Oh, geez, yeah, it wasn't even on the list. I apologize, Derek. <laughs> Completely so forgot. Funny. Holy shit! All right, Pats at Buffalo. Um, who would have thought that these teams would be matching up? Uh, fucking, what, how epic would this be for the Pats to pull out this win? Uh, Bills are four point favorites. What are you guys' thoughts? So DVOA actually has Buffalo as the number two overall team um, over the course of the season. Weighted DVOA is third. Um, and New England is fourth in total DVOA, but weighted DVOA of second. So they've actually been playing a little bit better. This is definitely the closest game in terms of DVOA. And I think it's probably one of the more interesting matchups that we have on the slate this weekend. Um, at the end of the day... I just trust Belichick a little bit more. Um, I think that, you know, they're they're excellent at scheming, um, but you do have a rookie quarterback, and that's going to play a factor and keep this game close. Otherwise, I would take, uh, you know, New England by a, by a runaway. Um, but I don't know. It, it's, super, it's super hard to pick this game it, it, just because these teams are really close, in my opinion. The four points is a little bit too much, uh, even at home. Uh, nowadays, I think they say it, typically uh, being at home, it should be about a one and a half points as opposed to the three that it used to be. So they are weighting this a little bit more in that favor. And I would, if I'm a gambling man, I'm taking the Pats to cover the four for sure. Um, in terms of ultimately winning this game, I'm leaning on the Patriots because they do have Bill Belichick. Derek, should we let you wrap this one up? Because I, I have a pretty easy answer. It's simple. simple. I, would, I would love to walk off. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll let you do that. So um, they're expecting sub zero uh, temperatures, you know, with wind chill in Buffalo, potential snow. <clears throat> um, this isn't going to be, cl- this is not going to be closed. Bills are going to fucking roll them. And it's, this is the easiest game you think for the me. The Bills are going to roll. The Bills are going to fucking roll them. And it's not even close. So. Uh, a couple weeks ago, um, or a month ago, whatever, uh, when they first played that that first game, right? I was expecting, um, you know, pre hurricane wind gusts like Buffalo, New England. Um, I was expecting uh, Josh Allen to like have like that breakout type of game. And then after it was done, I'm like, damn, that still was like a breakout type of game for him. Uh, they've only averaged 30 points a game since that. Dude's been fantastic. Like, he's had some, and that's with some slumps. Like, he's had some, you know, issues. But that team as a whole, they're going to, dude, they are. Didn't the Patriots beat the beat the Bills without completing a forward pass earlier this that, year? That was, that, was that, that was that hurricane game, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that hurricane game. And then what happened after that? Bills fucking rolled them, 33-21. It's going to be something very comparable to that pending the snow, but it's, it's not. It's are not, the Bills going to be able to stop the run? Yeah, the, the, just like they did last time. Bills are going to win this game. They're going to cover four. It's going to be the easiest. Uh, it's the easiest one for me to pick. For yeah, sure. I, I do expect the Bills to win this game. I think it's going to be really close. I mean, you're going to get your biggest shot from Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick loves owning this rivalry. Uh, he is going to fucking coach the shit out of this game. Absolutely. It's going to be close as fuck. Uh, but I really like Josh Allen at the big moment. I mean, he, he showed last year. Uh, came up big and, you know, ultimately obviously lost in the AFC Championship. Who wouldn't against Patrick Mahomes? But uh, Josh Allen's a fucking freak, and he is rising. Um, and I really do think that, you know, that it took a fucking hurricane 
for the Patriots to beat them earlier in in the Bills Stadium. So it, it, if if the weather conditions are exactly like that, I I would expect the Pats to win again. But don't expect that. As bad as the weather is going to be, it's just going to be cold. And Josh Allen's used to playing in that. I, I do think the Pats are going to win. For me, it's kind I of... I mean, the uh, Bills are going to win. And, and, and right before you walk off here, Derek, for me, it's kind of the Buffalo's up by five or six, and, and New England has the ball. Like, they have that two-minute opportunity, but they don't have Tom Brady. So that's kind of that's kind of the finish that I see. For sure. So so when I say when I say it's not even close as far as the cover, it's not that I'm saying Buffalo's going to win by 30 points. I think it's going to be up by five or six, maybe seven there at the end. Score late. And then New England has the opportunity. To <laughs> Wait, so it is going to be up. close? <laughs> it's an easy cover, but it, right. yeah, but they're going to cover the four, but they're not going to blow the doors off them by 30 points. It, New England will have the opportunity, but they're just not there yet to make the move with uh, you know Mac Jones at the, on that final drive in that, in that moment. All right, Pats fan, finish her off. Yeah, so this is kind of where I thought that New England was going to be this year. I thought they were maybe win the division, probably be a wild card, have a puncher's chance in the playoff. Uh, maybe upset a team or two. Um, I, I think from a from a coaching standpoint, Bill. I mean, we kind of saw this was probably coming. Um, the teams were going to finish three and six, pretty much is is what we saw coming uh, as far as the last time they played. Um, haven't really showed the Bills a whole lot all year. We ran the ball forty eight times, and two, you know, a month ago and two weeks ago, they ran a pretty vanilla offense. Um, kept the ball out of Mac's hands, and I, I think they're gonna let Mac kind of do his thing if, if they're gonna be successful this time around. The one thing I will say, and I think this is gonna be the difference maker, you get to the playoffs and you see Josh McDaniels full bag of tricks. He's throwing double passes against the Ravens. He's throwing flea flickers. Like there, there's gonna be flea flicker in the first half. There's probably gonna be two in the game. They're gonna maybe be a double pass. Like they, they go out and get guys who can do this kind of stuff. Um, I. I think New England wins this one. It's going to be five degrees at kickoff. We're going to get below zero air temperature by the end of the game. I think it's going to be a really rugged, smash-mouth game. I think the the, the the Patriots' offensive line is what carries them here. Um, I, th- I think they win it. Hey, Derek, you know, this is kind of a historic game, uh, not only for um, New England-Buffalo, but for you. You know, the last time the New England had a wild-card road game was 1994. <laughs> So like you know, as as far as like remembering football, this is your first like wild card game as the road team. It's kind of for sure, yeah. And it's it's weird too. Like I think this is one of those games where I think you can almost get up for a game too much for the Bills. Like this is their their second Super Bowl of the year. Yeah. Um. You know, I they they they're going to get way up for this game, uh, especially against New England, who's absolutely just curb stomped them for the last two decades. Um. We'll see how it goes, but I, I still think you know. From coaching experience, I think Josh McDaniels and Bill are going to have something really good. According to DVOA, this is the best matchup of the week, by the way. Uh, yeah, Buffalo's ranked sure. second on the rankings. New England's ranked fourth. It's funny. I almost forgot this game. It just it literally just wasn't even on our outline. But, uh, yeah, this is, uh, is going to be a really fucking good game. Uh, New England, according to their stats, I mean, pretty much underperformed record-wise. Probably should have finished off the season better than they did. Um, I fully expect, I mean, Bill Belichick to give it at all, but I just, I, I think these, these, both these teams are just excellent. Such good defenses. Yeah, for, for, for the most part, Derek doesn't ever watch like the actual wild card round is like, cause New England's usually got the bye week through the wild card and onto the divisional round. So this might be new territory for you. Are you, yeah, are usually, you I usually get ready? to do some like, cleaning and stuff. Just have the game up on the back. You know, the, yeah, I'm usually not watching this week. It's weird. Yeah. I, I, can you, can you handle this one emotionally? I'll be okay. <laughs> 
Mac Jones, is he going to throw more than one pass? We'll see. Yes. <laughs> All right, closing thoughts, anybody? I, I love this weekend of football. Yes. Wildcard weekend is is quickly turned into the best week of football all year. Agreed. It's, it's going to yeah, be bullshit fantastic. move moving the game to Monday. I fucking hate that, but super excited to have six games. Truly bullshit. Like I don't know what the NFL is thinking there, and 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 now like both either the Rams or the Cards are going to have a short week. Like weird move, unnecessary. I'd, I'd, I'd rather go with the three and three. Yeah, one hundred percent. Everybody would watch all six of those games, and I'm still going to obviously watch the shit out of the game. Uh, Monday, but Jesus, why why do you got to do that to me, NFL? All right, Drew Newman, Marcus, and Derek closing it out. Good night. Peace.